Welcome to the Fresh Fiction Podcast. My name is Gwen Reyes. And I'm Danielle Jackson-Dresser. This is a podcast where we talk about what we're reading, watching, and listening to. This week, we're going glamorous and sharing our 2022 predict Oscar predictions. We also have an interview with best-selling author Christy Woodson Harvey about her new book, The Wedding Veil, set at the legendary Biltmore Estate. We also go over our goals from last episode, set new ones, and share what's been bringing us comfort lately. Yay! All right. I'm so excited. Danielle, it's, uh, as always, amazing to see you. I know. Yes. Lovely. (laughs) How are you feeling this week? You know what? This week was interesting because, and this always happens, Mm -hmm. where Chicago land gets like a really awesome week of amazing spring-like weather. Uh Uh-huh. And yet, like yesterday, it was almost 70 degrees. It was amazing. It was sunny. It was beautiful. And it's now, I think, like 35 degrees and it's (laughs) cloudy Mm -hmm. and it's supposed to snow possibly overnight into tomorrow. Not not a lot. I don't think it's even supposed to accumulate, but it's just like, I know I'm going to have like a stuffy nose Mm -hmm. at some point today. And I'm already just tired yep. <laughs> because there's no sunshine. I'm like looking around, like, where's the sun? Um, yeah. Where do I but, get recharged? Yes. But it was really nice to have, like, we didn't have to be in our bulky coats. You know, mm-hmm. we could just like, it was, it was really nice. And we did spend some time outside. So That's that awesome. was great. Yeah. That. Yeah. That's cool. Like yesterday it was a beautiful, sunny blue day. And then today mm-hmm. the same thing. It is gray, cold. Uh, the, the, the huge, we have huge crows in our area and it looks like when they fly against the gray and the fog, it looks like very Hitchcockian. So I'm like, let's get inside the house before we get snatched by one of these crows. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That's funny. How are you otherwise? I'm feeling good. I'm feeling excited, a little nervous. I'm going to Mm -hmm. New York. I'm, uh, this will come out after I'll have already come back, hopefully with knock on wood, no issues, but, um, I'm flying to New York for the first time since the pandemic and uh I'm it's my first like transcontinental flight from one corner of the world to the other uh I am just like looking forward it's also my first business trip for my company Mm -hmm. um so I'm just like really looking forward to it but also have not really fully slept well for a week as I'm running the the, like preparations and to-do lists in my head and Mm -hmm. just making sure everything is set for my flight tomorrow but I'm excited, nervous, uh, and all that, but we'll see. I'll let you know when I get back how it goes. Yeah, please do. (laughs) So what's something good you've achieved this week? Okay. So this is big news. Mm -hmm. It's a big podcast exclusive. I have to reveal, (laughs) post this before, tell everybody before uh, the podcast comes out, but (laughs) <laughs> Cliff and I finally, um, we, when we moved to Seattle last year, we, um, we weren't sure we wanted to be, so we just picked an apartment and just kind of like found a neighborhood and mm-hmm. really found love. Well, we have finally settled on a new apartment because we awesome. need it. Yeah. We're super excited. We love the apartment we're in now, but it is really at the end of the day, it's loud and mm-hmm. it's, it's loud. It's very, very loud. And so this new place <laughs> is in downtown Bellevue. It's very quiet. Um, has a beautiful view. It's kind of got yeah. both the things we wanted, which was like mountain view and water view. And so we're real, I'm just really, really excited. And after we record today, we're going to go back over there and do measurements and 
Get, so cool. Yeah. I was saying Cliff, I was like, my brain is broken now because I used to hate moving. And now yeah. I'm like, oh, I'm so excited because I can have a reason <laughs> to get rid of stuff. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What about That's you? Great. Well, so this week, this past week where they, this was my first like week doing actual events for mm-hmm. Anderson's bookshop. Um, and so, yeah, on Tuesday, I did a virtual event with, um, bestselling author, Lauren Kate, and we did, it was like a, it was a virtual event in partnership with this really great indie bookstore in Milwaukee called, called Boswell's. Mm, cool. Um, and so myself and a, one of their, um, booksellers, we interviewed Lauren Kate cause we both read romance. And so, and so it was really fun to connect with another independent bookstore. Yes. It was also really great to connect with, I mean, Lauren Kate, she writes, she's been writing for forever, like since I think like the early aughts. And she wrote a book called fallen. It was like this, it was kind of the start of like, I don't know. It was like twilight was still happening. So paranormal YA was still mm-hmm. really big, but hers was about, it was like about fallen angels. Oh, was, was it the angel series. book? Yes. <gasps> it's the, it was, it's the angel book. Yeah. Yes. It's the like angel with book. the girl in the dark. I was sitting here going, Lauren Kate, Kate, I know that. Oh man. I think about that book all the time. Yeah. And so, I mean, and the first one was made into a movie and in like, I think the like 20 teens, I can't remember when, but yeah, I mean, she, and so she wrote an adult, um, romantic comedy kind of book. Um, and it was really fun. She was really great. She was really easy to talk to. And like I said, it was really cool to like do a joint event with another independent bookstore. Yeah. Um, that was really cool. But then on Thursday, um, I did my first in-person event and I will, I'm going to make a note to link in show notes to this, but my Mm -hmm. first in-person event was, was for Bob Odenkirk. Yeah. (laughs) For his memoir. (laughs) Um, and it was like a soul that we had it. Obviously we did not have it at the bookstore. Cause that would have been insane. Um, but it was a sold out venue. There were almost 900 people in the audience. Um, I spent Thursday afternoon making Bob Odenkirk sign 1000 books. I was wondering, I was like, <laughs> um, that had to be your job. Be yeah. like, all right, just, here we go. Just keep signing. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and yeah, and he was so cool. He is from the area. He's from the Chicago suburbs. Mm-hmm. And so it was kind of, it really was like kind of a a hometown hero type situation. Um, and he was just, he was super cool and it was a really fun event. And, and for that to be my first in-person event, like, I think I can handle anything else. Uh-huh. Absolutely. <laughs> so I was talking to my dad and he, you know, my dad's a really big fan of Bob Odenkirk too, but I was like, yeah, I mean, I feel like you know, my next event could easily just be in, in the bookstore with like mm-hmm. 12 people, you know, versus, a thousand, you know, yeah. it was just, it was wild. So, but yeah, so it was really cool. And it was, I mean, Anderson's like, I, I think I've said this every episode since I talked about getting hired there, but they are an independent book selling institution. They know what they're doing. People trust them to like have these quality events and it's really cool to be a part of it. So. Absolutely. Yeah. I love that. I'm so cool. It was so cool seeing the picture of you and Bob um, mm-hmm. on the 
from the event. So yeah, let us transition a little bit into this, the new season. I'm not talking spring season, even though that is around the corner, um, Mm -hmm. or spring cleaning or end of school season. It's obviously not football season, but it is. Award season, award um, season, the award yeah. season. We got it kicked off a couple of weeks ago with the SAG awards. Uh, and now we are going to have the end cap with the Oscars. And that is what Danielle and I are talking with you guys today about the Oscar 2022 predictions. I love the question that you left for us right at the top of this, Danielle, which is, <laughs> does anyone care anymore? <laughs> does anyone? No, because like, I just think I was thinking about this and I think it's something, I don't even know how to like figure this out because it's such a campaign, everything, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like, do these people, you know, it's not that people don't deserve awards. I'm not saying that, but it is, it's so performative, you know, like, yeah, I mean, I'm, we'll get into it when we go through some of these categories, but I'm just like, does it matter? I do. It does matter, but also does it? (laughs) Exactly. It's like, it does matter, but the system is like everything. The system is broken because really it's all about who can campaign the best, Mm -hmm. not who necessarily is the best performance. And I know we can knock that out to who even gets nominated versus who um, isn't nominated. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, there's always controversy in that, but I think at the end of the day, what's really what really, really, really is hammered home, especially with the rise of social media and Mm -hmm. and awards being covered across the board in both trade magazines, as well as just like entertainment magazines is that people know the campaigning system. Mm -hmm. So like regular film watchers, maybe not like the average film watcher, but a person who like pays attention to the industry knows that like these actors may not be the best performer, but they're out here having a great party or they're going and showing up for all the Q and A for the Oscar voters and making sure mm-hmm. that they are uh, glad handed the right way. Yeah. And that's like really unfortunate because then, yeah, like if you don't have the budget, if you're like a small film company right. that doesn't have the budget to be able to do a campaign like that, or if you're gonna, like back in the nineties when we had uh, Harvey Weinstein, who was just bullying everybody. Yeah, so gaming that's the really system true. In there. So, yeah. So it is, it's really hard. I don't know. Like, I feel like all, well, then also I just had like a random thought. I was mm-hmm. like, I don't even remember. I'm going to what we're talking about them. I'm going to watch the Oscars this year, <laughs> but I don't think I've watched them the last two years, two years. Like I haven't watched, I don't think we even watched it in 2020. I'm just trying to think. And so that's why I just, I'm like, what, what are even some of these? I'm like, what, what is this? I had to like do some movie? research. Yeah. You know, um, but, I always love an Oscar like that, a season where I'm like, I don't know any, I didn't see any movies this year. <laughs> <laughs> I know. And it it is, it's just, it is. And then I think too, of like back in the way before times, like before we even, before we had our daughter, like we used to like go see all mm-hmm. of the Oscar movies, you know, like before yeah. the Oscars, like that was like thing we did. And now we don't do that. So this is going to be an interesting conversation. Yeah, it will be. And it'll be interesting for you to pick this season, this year's Oscar to watch as one of your first ones back. If you do decide to watch it, because yeah. there is so much controversy with this one where they decided to cut a bunch of categories yeah, right. um, from the, I mean, it's a lot of the times it's like editor, costume designer, which yeah. we're going to talk a little bit about costume design, but um, it's 
they are the categories that people don't necessarily show right. up for, right. but it's also like, let those people have their time in the yes, sun. Let them have I their agree. award. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, and then we should say that the Oscars are on Sunday, oh. March 27th and with history making hosts, it's Regina Hall, Amy Schumer and Wanda Sykes. Yep. So that'll really be, exciting. that'll be cool. Yeah. You can watch it live on ABC. Have to do my ABC drop on that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, let's jump right into the nominations. Um, I think even though we're both sort of hot and cold about whether or not the Oscars still matter, if we like the seasons, they are still a little relevant because we're still talking about them. Um, Okay. So let's start with the boys and do Mm -hmm. best actor. What do you think about that? Yeah. Let's start there. All right. Who's your pick? Do you, I don't think we need to read each one. I don't think so. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So let's start with best actor. Who is your pick for best actor? Okay. So I think my favorite performance out of these, it's it's back because the power of the dog is probably one of my favorite films from this year, Mm -hmm. but I, I Benedict Cumberbatch's performance in that movie makes my skin crawl. So I cannot let him have it as much as the performances. And that's like the point, like he's supposed to make your skin crawl, but I don't want him to have an award. So I'm going to say, I really would like Will Smith to get it this year for King Richard. Um, His performance was so moving. He is as you know, a little bit of a problematic fave. He's just very sweet and humble about this film. And I can tell Mm -hmm. how much it means to him. And so uh, I just would really like to see Will Smith finally win his Oscar. I think I agree. I think that's who my first pick is, but for the sake of being competitive, I think I'm going to say, I don't know. I mean, I feel like he's, he's going to win. I know it's maybe, maybe I'll, I'll say Andrew Garfield, but I don't think he's going to win for tick, tick, boom. I, I mean, that was great. It was a lovely movie. Um, now I'm like, who won the SAG? (laughs) I think Will Smith. I think he won this. Didn't he? I don't know. Who knows? I'm looking it up real quick. Good. Oh, Oh no, that was a different person. Oh yeah. It was Will Smith. Okay, cool. Yeah, we all agree, apparently. <laughs> okay, yeah. so Will Smith or Andrew Garfield, it, it, he was so good in Tick, Tick, Boom, too. He was really good in that. So I have not seen The Tragedy of Macbeth yet. It looks real sad. I did watch it. I mean, obviously, it's Macbeth. It's super mm-hmm. weird. It's very striking. Mm-hmm. Um, it's. Re- I mean, I, I did enjoy it. But it is, it's, I mean, it's, it's Macbeth. So it's what are Macbeth, you going to do? Yeah. It's um, you know, and, and then I think this goes, we'll probably say this more than once, but the Oscars love repeats. So, uh-huh. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if Denzel Washington like snuck in there. And I agree. I was thinking the same thing of either Denzel or Har- Javier Bardem mm-hmm. pulls in a last minute, right? um, a last minute pull. I definitely don't think that Benedict Cumberbatch has has the chance he's the odd man out on that one interesting okay cool all right so let's go to best actress Mm -hmm. this is an interesting this is an interesting lineup this yeah this is probably for me the most competitive line I always find the best actress to be the most competitive they put such good quality in there so Jessica Chastain won for the eyes of Tammy Faye for the SAG which I thought was a surprise I'm Mm -hmm. gonna vote for Kristen Stewart in Spencer. Mm, yeah. That, her performance in that is bananas, delicious, wonderful. It is so good. Um, yeah. And yeah, that's my vote. I'm not sure if she's campaigning well, but I, I feel that performance was wonderful. I, th- oh gosh, who do I want to go with here? <laughs> <laughs> I think I am. I'm going to go with Jessica Chastain just mm-hmm. because I think 
she's kind of, it's kind of not at the same level as Will Smith, but I think like she has been nominated so many times yeah. that it's like time for her to win an Oscar. I agree. And I think she, <laughs> she is very well loved in, in yeah. her industry. And so she could get enough people to vote for her. I right. think that she can, yeah, she can pull that out. Yes. Okay. Absolutely. Let's move on to best supporting actor. Okay. This one's hard. This one is really hard. <laughs> this is really, really hard. All right. So Troy Kotzer won it for the SAG. And the reason that we're in, uh, for SAG for CODA, the reason I'm mentioning all these SAG winners is that usually the SAG, the SAG voters are the same voters who were yeah, for the Academy. Very Award. similar. Right. Um, so they typically sort of can mirror each other or be a suggestion of who's going to win. Um, so Troy Kotzer won for CODA. I have not seen that. Yeah. I'm going to I really, really loved um, Cody Smith McPhee's performance in The Power of the Dog. I don't think he has a chance in the world of winning, honestly. Again, no, they love, you know, but but the Oscars do love giving young, Mm -hmm. younger actors and actresses, you know, they they like to do that sometimes. They do. Hmm. I have also, I mean, again, I have not seen Belfast. I've heard it's, very I heard it's very it's like a solid good movie movie yes and I just really like Karen Hines so Mm -hmm. I'm gonna say Karen Hines I think he's a great actor and I think he also deserves his Oscar too yeah give him his gold (laughs) (laughs) all right best supporting actress another competitive category I feel um I yeah I'm going to go with my girl again, Kirsten Dunst for Power mm, of the Dog. Yeah, she's been, she's been now, talk about a campaign. Talk about a campaign. She's yeah. been campaigning a ton. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to go with Ariana DeBose for West Side yes. Story because I think that would just be so cool if she won. And, you know, and especially, I mean, I bet Rita Moreno is on mean. that stage, like handing out the Best Supporting Actress Oscar. I bet. Yeah, um, we'll see. To. I know. Yeah, they usually have last year's winner, but you never know. But I just think um, that's what everyone comes away from seeing West Side Story. They talk about Ariana DeBose's performance. performance. So I'm really and I I love, you know, we we love a Hamilton reference. Sure do. Um, and here you go. And I, fe- <laughs> and I feel like that category is wide, wide open right now. Yeah. So, oh, and Ariana DeBose did win it. So, yeah, it's a wide open opportunity. Right. Yeah. Yeah, she won okay. for SAG. Yeah. So, um, okay, let's move on. We did want to include screenplays just because we're both yes. writers and yeah. we talk about writing exactly. and <laughs> reading and all of that. So mm-hmm. original screenplay. Let's see. Hmm. Hmm. I think I'm going to go with licorice pizza. I think Paul Thomas yeah. Anderson always writes a good screenplay. That's a really good one. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think that he writes very interesting slice of life. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm going to go with, I think I'm going to go with Belfast. I just think ah, it's it's yeah. really cool what Kenneth Branagh is doing, like, you know, just remembering his life and everything yeah, like that, I you know, that. based on it. So, yeah, so I think I'm going to go with Kenneth Branagh. Yeah, and it's such Oscar- you know, kibble because yeah. <laughs> like they love a good family story. So that's awesome. Right. Okay. Adapted screenplay. This is where the, this is always where I think the good stuff is hiding. Um, yeah. I, Oh, I'm going to trick it up. I'm not going to say the power of the dog. I did love oh. that movie so much, Ooh. but I'm going to go with the lost daughter yeah. for screenplay because that screen, that movie is weird. 
Yeah. But the writing of it is just so how she unpacks everything just so like layer by layer. And you're Mm -hmm. really unsure of everyone's intention. I just think it's a really, really good first screenplay. Love that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Maggie Gyllenhaal is really great. So, um, yeah, I think, but I think I'm going to, I'm going to do power of the dog. I love Jane Campion. I think she's such an interesting, she's had such an interesting career and she's so like thoughtful about everything that she does. So that's what I'm going to go with. I think I'm going to go with power of the dog. I like it. Okay. Best song. Now I did actually listen to all of the best songs. The oh, other. Perfect. I was like, I'm going to prepare. <laughs> you <laughs> did your homework. Listen, That's I'm right. going to listen to these songs. Um, well then I want to know what's your, which, what's your favorite then? Tell us which one you want to win, which one you want to win. Well, okay. I think my actual favorite is no time to die mm. from no time to die. But, but I don't know. I do think Dos Oriugitas from Encanto, like I really think Lin-Manuel Miranda is going to win it because he should have won for How Far I'll Go from Moana. Uh Uh-huh. He did not. He was robbed. And he, if he wins, he'll get it. He'll have an EGOT. And I think it's been a while since we've had an EGOT winner, Mm -hmm. like a new EGOT winner. Yeah. Since John Legend. Um, yeah. So I, I really, I think no time to die. I really do love that song. It fits with the bond movie, particularly this bond movie. Um, and I think Bill, I like Billie Eilish a lot, but I, I think I'm going to go with Dos Oriugitas. Yeah. I, I really think Dos Oriugitas is also the winner. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll go with Beyonce. I'll give yeah. Beyonce her time. And maybe be alive. Maybe be alive will be the surprise win. Like it Beyonce could be. will send everybody that very expensive champagne that <laughs> she brings to parties. Yeah, and then they'll all vote for be alive. <laughs> but you know who will definitely not win, Danielle. And I hate to say this is the icon, the one and only. She needs no introduction, Diane Warren. Oh my God, once yeah. again, not win an Oscar. I was just <laughs> I was just reading an article about that. How she? It's like is it. I don't even remember. It's like something like 11 or 12 nominations and she's never never won, which is insane. Yeah. Yeah. When she's, you think she's about the it, Susan Lucci of best yeah. song nominees yeah. uh. and she'll win for like a really bad song, I'm sure. And that's like the unfortunate thing when you go look at like <laughs> all of her backlist, how uh. wonderful those songs are. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so best animated feature now this is actually the category where I've seen most of them I have not beautiful flea um because I think that is actually not like a kid's animated feature I think it is like yeah. for grown-ups but I've seen all of the other ones and I mean I think it has to be Encanto yeah I think th- and and if my seven-year-old were here that is what she would pick I think okay. I think though but you know what she's still she loves the, she loves Luca. She loves the Mitchells versus the machines. You know what? The Mitchells versus the machines actually could kind of be like when into the spider verse one, mm-hmm. it is such an interesting movie. It's a different style and it, it was really delightful, but I think I'm going to go with Encanto. Yeah. I'm going to go with, and I'm going to flip it and do Mitchells versus the machines. That I like sense. that pick. Yeah. Cause I had this, I had the same thought. I was like, I think it could be a little like a surprise. Like Encanto mm-hmm. is probably the most likely going to win, but I was like, maybe it'll be a little surprise. 
I mean, but it is hard with like Encanto. And I mean, Luca was um, Pixar, but, you know, it's still Disney Pixar. And then Raya is also Disney. Mm -hmm. So you are splitting those voters. Exactly. And they all probably worked on those movies, too. Like there's probably crossover. Definitely the Disney one, like Encanto and Raya, I bet a lot of people were working on. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see. We will see. And then we'll be surprised. We'll sit here surprised when Flea wins. <laughs> no, right. Yeah. It'll be like when Persepolis won. We'll like, yeah, oh, exactly. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, I love that. All right. Okay. I was really excited about making sure we got these two categories. And so yes. thank you for slipping them of in. Of course. Um, no, okay. they're really fun. And I mean, honestly, <laughs> these two cats. So we're going to talk about best costume design and best makeup and hairstyling. And these are the ones that we can actually just judge without being like yeah. what everybody campaigning about. Like it's literally on how they look. Yeah, exactly. So... <laughs> <laughs> okay. What's your pick for best costume design? For best costume. I am going with Cruella. Mm, I, I love yeah. it. I think it's so beautiful. I know nightmare alley is like also yeah. just stunning with the noir look and everything but yeah Cruella is just oh that movie is so pretty yeah oh gosh what do I want to pick I think the appeal of Nightmare Alley is mostly Mm -hmm. Kate Blanchett (laughs) because she's beautiful and stunning to look at yeah um I don't know though no I think I'm gonna go with West Side Story yeah because it's just it's so the colors are beautiful and like they're it's, you know, and I love like, just like that kind of fifties style. Like, I think it's just great. So, okay. Yeah. And I think that it could be a surprise, maybe Dune just because it's so weird, mm-hmm. but I, but yeah, but I think it's between Cruella and West side story for sure. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. All right. Best makeup and hairstyling. Um, I, I don't think there's any other one to pick, but I mean, okay. There's two, two wild, two wackadoos in this one, yeah. um, but I'm going to go with the eyes of Tammy Faye. Like I, I can't yeah. think of makeup and not think of Tammy Faye. <laughs> yeah. I mean, how many times has Jessica Chastain talked about like the permanent face damage? I was like, what are you doing? She has to be like the most insufferable person, but I also just charming. <laughs> <laughs> no, she seems great. <laughs> um, part of me really wants to say coming two number uh-huh. two coming okay. to america because how funny would that be just would to be, be like so funny oscar winner coming to america but i think i'm gonna go with i think i'm gonna do cruella because mm-hmm. that black and white hairstyle is just it's iconic you know and yeah, emma stone looked great and her makeup just looked like for makeup that was supposed to look bad mm-hmm. it always looked flawless and it's yeah just stunning stunning i listened to i should see if i can find it um <clears throat> sorry i have to clear my throat um I was listening to this podcast called fat mascara and it's like a beauty. It's like a beauty podcast. And they interviewed the makeup artist from Corella. It was a really good interview. It was really interesting. Um, And she just, excuse me. She talked a lot about working on that and like how she came up with the idea. It was really good. Also fat mascara is just a great, it's a great podcast. I'm going to check that out. Thank you. That six hour flight tomorrow. Yeah. Oh yeah. (laughs) You should definitely. In fact, this is, here we go. First digression. This is, this is, we made it pretty far. <laughs> um, but they also did it recently because Gwen Stefani is starting a makeup line and they did an interview with her and it was also awesome. Uh, God. Yeah. The person who yeah. always needs to have makeup is Gwen Stefani. Yeah. Okay. Here we go. So these are, we're going to go, we're just, we have two more, two more categories. We got this. All right. And best, these are the big ones. So best director. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right. I'm going to, I'm going to go with Jane Campion for power of the dog. I really, 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 really want her to win it. 
Me too. I may cheat and just do the same one. Yeah. Let's just put um, all of our power in our ladies. Yeah. That's, and that's kind of where I'm coming from mm-hmm. <laughs> at it. Um, I will say though, I have heard really wonderful things about drive my car. Um, even though it is a three hour mm. movie, um, but I've heard it is absolutely phenomenal. Um, and I just, I have not, I don't, I, I was like, do I have three hours? There's so many movies out this year too, that are three hours. Oh, and gosh. I had to ask myself that question. Of That's like, what I, I, I was just like, do I want to go see the, I mean, I do want to see the Batman, but it's almost three hours long. I don't want to see the Batman that badly. <laughs> so long. I know it's too much. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go with power of the dog also. Yeah, let's do it. I have her extra power, but I would not be surprised if either Kenneth Branagh or Steven Spielberg agreed one as yeah, well. I agree. Okay. This is it. <laughs> Best picture. There are 10 nominees. Uh-huh. I don't know why. I don't, I don't understand that. Um, yeah, sure. Whatever. I appreciate it when they actually do nominate the 10 I hate when they're like we'll do between five it's between five and ten right I don't like that yeah Mm -hmm. you have to just I don't like when it's seven it makes me uncomfortable so rude (laughs) just just either cut two or pick three more (laughs) all right yeah oh gosh this is hard though this is a hard one um how about for okay for best picture let's we'll name these because we haven't really said them so best picture it's Belfast Coda don't look up, which why, um, <laughs> drive my car, mm-hmm. Dune, King Richard, licorice pizza, nightmare alley, the power of the dog and West side story. So I don't know. I, I think it, I don't know. Like I definitely, I'm definitely one of those people. Like I know it is problematic, but I do love the original West side story. Mm-hmm. Um, so wouldn't it be kind of cool if it yeah. won? Like again, how often does that happen? I mean, I I think it has happened, but not a ton. Not a ton. Um, okay. I just think that could be really interesting. Yeah, it would be such a good story, mm-hmm. and it's good people. Like Steven Spielberg is good Hollywood, classic Hollywood. The but then here's the thing, because I feel like a week ago I probably would have said Power of the Dog, but I feel like I they were ramping up their campaign. And I think right now, like I, did we mention this off air or did I mention it while we were talking, but you know, like West side stories on Disney plus. So I like, mm-hmm. I feel like even that is like, that was a plan. Yeah. Yeah. That was helpful. <laughs> so it's, I don't, I think I may go with West side story, but I don't know if I feel good about it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm second guessing as I'm like saying it, I was like, West side story. Yeah. Question I, have, I have such a hard time with this category too. Me too. It's just like, one I don't feel pat other than the power of the dog I don't feel passionate about mm-hmm. any of the films so it's like right I, I'm not going to be upset that any of them win or lose but I guess uh, okay I'm gonna say Belfast okay I'm gonna Interesting. I'm going to my reasoning for it is I think if if it's a little bit of a split, like say mm-hmm. Steven Spielberg or Kenneth Branagh win best director, they mm-hmm. may not give the best picture to the same person. So maybe like West Side Story wins for best director and then best picture is Belfast. I don't know. Interesting. It is interesting when the director is different than the 
picture best picture yeah. winner because that does also, that yeah yeah I feel like West Side Story still does have such a good chance though because it had a big crew and that's another big thing because mm-hmm. who votes for best picture is everybody right and it's like if you've got a lot of people on your crew who are in the academy aka yep. the West Side Story then you have <laughs> a better chance or even um licorice pizza but yeah yeah okay Belfast West Side Story it's a split vote between us yeah, I don't know. I I said West Side Story, but I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, you'll have to tune in, everybody. Uh, what was the date? March twenty. March twenty seventh. Sunday, March twenty seventh at um, sure it's at seven o'clock mm-hmm. Central or whatever, and on ABC. On ABC. I will actually. I'm gonna. I will watch it. I'm gonna watch it. Awesome. So. We'll text each other. I'll be watching it too. <laughs> yeah, that, that'll be fun. Perfect. Okay, cool. Cool. Well, next up is our interview with bestselling author Christy Woodson Harvey about her book, The Wedding Veil. We'll see you guys in just a little bit. Welcome to the Fresh Fiction Podcast, Christy. We are so happy to have you here. Oh, thank you so much for inviting me. I'm so excited to be here with you guys. Yeah, this is going to be a fun chat. So your new book, The Wedding Veil, mm-hmm. is a sweeping novel that follows a few different generations of women, each of them associated with the Biltmore Mansion. And I'm desperate to know because I find this, the like the Vanderbilts and the Biltmore in particular, yeah. so fascinating. What drew you to writing about this iconic home? You know, it was one of those things where I felt like it was this little by little idea. So um, in 2018, um, we had to, I live on the coast of North Carolina and we had to evacuate for a hurricane. And for a lot of reasons, we needed to stay in North Carolina for like some family stuff. And so we decided that we were going to go like as far away from the coast as we could. And we were going to go to Asheville and we were going to not worry about all the things happening on the coast. And we were just going to go and like make a trip of it. And um, our son at that time was, I guess, seven or six or seven. And he had never been to Biltmore before. And I thought, oh, this will be so fun. We'll take him to the Biltmore. He'll love it. Which of course he did because it's just incredible, you know, to see something just with the, the, just the scope of it, but then, um, you know, just all the details and the Mm -hmm. art and it's, it's really a fascinating piece of our history. Um, and I left that day and, you know, sometimes you're somewhere and, and you're like, Oh, I'm in the gift shop and I'm so excited and I'm going to buy like all the things in the gift shop, you know, and then you get home and you're like, why did I buy all this stuff from the gift shop? (laughs) But fortunately for me being a writer, I bought all the books from the gift shop. And so I went home and I was reading like everything I could get my hands on about, you know, um, Edith Vanderbilt in particular, I was so interested in her story because I hadn't really realized before that she was fairly young when um, her husband, George, who built Biltmore died. um, And her Mm -hmm. daughter Cornelia was 13 years old. Um, and she was actually the recipient of most of what was left of George's portion of the Vanderbilt fortune, but she didn't receive it till she was 25 years old. And mm-hmm. so I just started thinking, how did Edith Vanderbilt in this time before a woman could even vote or, you know, anything like that, how did she manage to keep up this house? And I kept saying, someone should write a book about her. Someone mm-hmm. should write a book about her. Um, I never thought it would be me because I didn't write historical fiction. So Mm -hmm. fast forward a couple of years and I was deciding what my next project was going to be. And um, I was putting my own wedding veil that was like a family heirloom of my husband's that all of these women have worn in um, various and sundry scopes of my life. It's putting this veil on my cousin's head. And I said, it's so cool that this veil really connects us. And um, to all these women that 
some of them we don't even know. And she was mm-hmm. like, oh my gosh, that's really cool. Like, that's a book. <laughs> so yeah. um, I pitched the idea and my agent said, I love that idea, but you should write about a real wedding veil. And I was like, how am I going to find a real wedding veil <laughs> worn by a real woman that I'm so interested in that I want to spend a year of my life writing about her? Mm-hmm. And so I just randomly one night was awake and I was on Google and I just searched Edith Vanderbilt wedding veil and a story popped up about this veil worn by Edith's mother and her sisters. Then Edith wore it, Cornelia wore it, and then it disappeared. And I thought, well, there's my book. (laughs) So so it came to me little by little over a few years. But um, as soon as I saw that, I was like, okay, maybe I'm the one that's supposed to write the story. (laughs) It was meant to be totally. Absolutely. Well, and especially when you've got two real, you know, two characters that are real, the the responsibility that it does that you have to take to do all the research for that. But then you've also got Julia and her grandmother, Babs, who are fictional in the book. um, And they're all connected through Edith's dazzling wedding veil that you just mentioned what does the veil symbolize in the past and then um, present within your within the story well um in the present it's kind of this symbol of this true love and happy marriage it's like this this thing in julia and babs's family that they've assigned all this meaning to like if you wear the veil you're going to have this lifelong happy marriage Mm -hmm. and you see through the book that um, sometimes that doesn't always Sometimes it isn't always for the best. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think for each of these women, for Edith and Cornelia and Babs and Julia in the past and in the present, this veil that has been such a token that um, connects them to all these women in their family and in their own history actually ultimately becomes a symbol of what they have to let go of to be able to move mm-hmm. forward in their lives. And um, I think we're all, you know, we all reach a crossroads like that sometimes in our lives where we end up having to make a choice that we never thought that we would make. And all four of these women have to do that. And the veil is a part of all of those kind of monumental choices for them where mm-hmm. they have to let something go in order to move forward. Yeah. Um, Christy, you teed up my next question. <laughs> Excellently. I love when the, I know it's my favorite thing. Um, <laughs> so and you'll hear all of the women are shown at different crossroads in their yeah. life. <laughs> it's like perfect. Um, you know, but they're, you know, they're getting married and they're, you know, becoming mothers and thinking about becoming mothers. They have career decisions and so much more. Um, especially I loved that Babs is like, you know, figuring out what she's going to do with like kind of her post-retirement life. Like that was so much fun and something you don't really read a ton about. That was really great. Um, even though they are also different, what were some of the through lines you noticed while you were creating their stories? Um, well, this was sort of interesting because I only noticed it in retrospect, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but I think it had something to do with the fact of like, you know, I I mentioned that hurricane and we came home and we spent 18 months rebuilding our house and there were all these things going on and then immediately hit this pandemic. And, um, and I think each of these women is facing something in her life that, you know, is completely unknown and really sort of unforeseeable, which is what was Mm -hmm. happening for us. I mean, you know, in Edith's story in particular, not only does she become, you know, this young widow, but then there's this huge, um, flood that destroys Asheville, which is what she yeah. basically owns at this point. And mm-hmm. she now sort of has to figure out, great, not only am I trying to save my husband's legacy, now I also have to save this town. And, um, mm-hmm. and then, you know, there's, there's 
a war and there's a pandemic. I mean, the, you know, I'm writing about the Spanish flu as we're living COVID-19. Um, right. <laughs> and so I think all of these women, I mean, those are an Edith story in particular, but each of these women have those things in their story where, you know, they, they can't see the future. They don't know what's going to happen and they never expected themselves to be in this position. You know, Babs never expects to lose her husband and mm-hmm. Julia certainly doesn't expect to be a runaway bride. And um, I think you can see from Cornelia's story that she expects to always have these warm, fuzzy, wonderful feelings about her family home, but that's not necessarily how it turns out. And so they all have to make these decisions that um, the people in their life don't agree with, you know, Edith and Cornelia find themselves at many times very much at odds about they're so close and they have this very tight mother daughter relationship but they don't always agree on what the future mm-hmm. is going to look like. And um, I thought it was kind of nice too, that, you know, Babs is 80 years old and Julia is like 26 and they mm-hmm. both are at this point where they're making a decision that no one in their family agrees with. Yeah, <laughs> like, Everyone's <laughs> mad at them for this decision that right. they're making. And it's like, doesn't matter how old you are. Like you're always going to come up against those things that you know, you're following your own truth, but right. it's not everyone else's truth and they are not happy. And I think yeah. that Babs is kind of Julia's guide through that, which I really liked. Mm-hmm. Love it. Yeah. Something that we love to ask authors um, who have historical aspects to their novels is how do you think the past informs the present and perhaps the future? Oh my goodness. Well, in this book in particular, there were just so, so many ways, I mean, so many, you know, similarities and um, things that I was looking at, gosh, and it seems even more sort of poignant now as we're watching everything going on in the Ukraine. Mm And, um, you know, you're seeing this kind of beginning of this unrest in the United Mm -hmm. States, um, at that time in history and what's going to happen. And I feel like we're kind of, um, you know, at this similar point of, you know, what's happening in our history and what are we going to, what are people going to be saying about this, you know, a hundred years from now. Um, so I do think that, you know, there's so much of that. I also, one of the, the kind of fun aspects of this book is Julia is, um, becoming an architect. She's always dreamed of being an architect. It's sort of, she's had a, a, a stumble and a roadblock. And, um, one of the interesting things about her story is, you know, that she's talking about, building things that suit us today and how, you know, built more, isn't one of those things mm-hmm. <laughs> necessarily, <Yeah. laughs> but it's still something that, that she loves so much. And so I almost think in some parts of this story, the contrast between, um, you know, what works now versus what worked back then and what mm-hmm. we're seeing really didn't work long-term because, you know, built more is one of the only remaining houses of this size and scope to really exist. I mean, yeah. most of them have been, um, torn down because they just weren't practical for today. So, um, it's, it was just, it was really interesting to be able to sort of see. And also I think, again, like writing about a pandemic during a pandemic, it was completely, it wasn't on purpose. I mean, it just happened to fall in the years I was writing about, so I couldn't ignore it, but just to see that, like, we've come through this before we'll come Mm -hmm. through this again to be able to look back and say, okay, this isn't the only time in history this has ever happened. And you know, we can get through this. Um, that was really interesting. And it was kind of life affirming for me at that time. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, that's really great. I, I think a lot of times when we talk to authors who write historical fiction, um, they talk about cycles, like how, yeah. mm-hmm. especially like while you're researching, you just, you see some, like so many yes. different, like repetitive aspects that just, yep. when there is a crisis, this is like kind of the reaction right. and then what happens after. So, yeah. Yeah. and even in like our financial and economic systems, yeah. like you would see, like, 
you know, something would happen and then the stock market would crash and then, mm-hmm. oh my goodness. And then there'd be, you know, this panic and this, and you're thinking, oh my goodness, like nothing's new, you know, nothing's yeah, new. It's yeah, all things sure. that we've been through before, which is yeah. interesting. Totally. Okay. So thinking about the future though, we have to tell you congrats on your, the recent deal for your peach tree bluff series to be turned into TV, a TV series, which is amazing. Uh Um, so of course we know that a lot of the stuff is proprietary and you probably can't reveal too much. We were wondering if you could talk about how the deal came about, like, we love when people like find out the info and like how you Mm -hmm. reacted and then any other tidbits of where things are going. Well, this has been the longest process again, because (laughs) I mean, I think even longer than usual because of COVID, but I think it's long anyway, but it's been even longer. So the third book in my Peachtree Bluff series, um, the Southern side of paradise came out in 2019. And right around that time, um, I had some interest from a producer and I'd actually had some interest in the first two books in this series of standalones, but I was just in my mind, I thought this is a series. And if I'm going to sell it, you know, the chances that things ever get made are so slim in a way uh-huh. that I thought if I'm yeah. going to sell it, I really want to sell all of it. I really, because yeah. I mm-hmm. felt like one book couldn't really stand alone without the others. Um, and so it was just this really happy coincidence where um, there was a producer who grew up 30 minutes from where I live right now. Wow. She didn't reach out to me. She reached out to Simon and Schuster kind of cold and said, you know, I'm looking for a book series um, to make into a TV show. They sent her a bunch of different series and she loved this one. And it's set in a fictional town in Georgia. So she didn't even know until she contacted me that I actually lived in North Carolina. 30 minutes. So she came to visit, um, really fell in love with Beaufort where I live, which is kind of the fictional Peachtree Bluff um, Mm -hmm. and, you know, ended up optioning the project. And then um, because of COVID and, you know, all these things that were going on right after, um, I ended up being a lot more involved in the process than I probably would have been. Originally, the idea was I was going to fly to LA. We were going to do all these pitches. I was going to help pitch with the team. But then because of COVID, we couldn't do any of that. Mm -hmm. So everything was on Zoom. um, And it ended up that I was actually able to help write the pilot because everyone wasn't sitting in the writer's room anyway. So they were like, why don't you help write the pilot? Which I was really surprised because Mm -hmm, I feel like sometimes mm -hmm. they're like, get the, get the, get the author out of here. Like he's going to have (laughs) all these opinions. (laughs) Um, But I worked with a great team. It's the showrunner and one of the writers on the show, Sweet Magnolias, which of course has been a huge hit for Netflix. Um, They taught me so much. They were incredible and so great to work with. And, and yeah, so we, we got the news about NBC, um, gosh, like early December. And we were, Mm -hmm. the weirdest part was we were all on a zoom together working on a rewrite when Mm -hmm. it like hit deadline and we hadn't even really heard, like all of our phones were just going off, like with the Mm -hmm. mention or whatever. And people started like tweeting and whatever. And we were all on zoom together and we were like, oh my gosh, this is so cool. Yeah. That's so cool. (laughs) So, you know, hopefully it'll work out. I mean, again, we have a long way to go still, Yeah. (laughs) but you know, it was neat to kind of be a part of like getting to write that pilot and and see, you know, what this show could be. And they really have stayed pretty true to the books. I mean, there's some things of course that you have to make different, but, um, but I think people who loved the Peachtree Bluff series, you know, if 
assuming this does all happen and get made and we are watching it, I think people will be like, oh yeah, those are the books I read. Yeah. So that's oh, that's, that's good. That's so great. I love this story. This is amazing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was fun. It was like one of those like small silver lining moments of like a bad time. Cause I was like, well, I couldn't have, you know, I mean, they might've asked me to write the pilot, but I couldn't have gone to LA for how right. many weeks or, um, mm-hmm. and I was also on book tour for Christmas and Peachtree Bluff while we were writing. <laughs> so I, you know, obviously couldn't have been in LA during that. So yeah, um, true. it all worked out. Yeah, oh, for sure. <laughs> and now you're like one step closer to your WGA credits. If you don't already that's, have them. That's right. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> you can vote. You can vote in the Oscars. It's perfect. <laughs> That's great. Gosh, I didn't know I was going to have all that power. Uh So much power now. You write that pilot and now it's like the doors just open up for you. Yeah. (laughs) Well, Christy, something that we take very seriously at the Fresh Fiction Podcast is we love talking about what is bringing us comfort and joy and just ways of relaxing. So what is something that you um, have been doing that has brought you comfort and joy recently? I mean... I hate to say the thing that I'm sure we all are thinking, but reading, (laughs) Reading. (laughs) Um, for sure. Reading. I have read so much more in these past Mm -hmm. couple of years than I really have in a long time because I've just had a little bit more time to read. Mm -hmm. I haven't been on the road and it's been great. So I've just been reading like crazy. I also, um, during the beginning of the pandemic, a group of author friends and I started a group called friends and fiction. And it's uh, Mary Kay Andrews, Kristen Harmel and Patty Callahan Henry. And so every Wednesday night at 7 p.m., we interview an author live on Facebook and YouTube. And um, that's been so great, too, because it's really expanded my reading. You know, I was very Mm -hmm. much like women's fiction, historical fiction. And that was kind of all I read. And now, you know, having these interviews with these great authors, I'm reading in every genre and it's -hmm. teaching me a lot about my own writing. I mean, I'm still probably not ever going to like write a thriller, but, you know, there's so much that I'm reading in thrillers that are teaching me about pacing and you know, yeah. mm-hmm. tension and, you know, building and building tension and all that stuff. So, um, but yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I just have to say reading, I think it's always my go-to happy place. Yeah. I love it. That's a good answer. It's the best answer we can get. Yeah. What's a, what's a recent read that you recommend? Um, oh my gosh, I've read so many good ones. So I'm right now I'm reading guilt by Jamie Brenner, which is, will be out, I believe in June. Um, okay. And Oh, it was so good. Um, it's so good. I'm, I'm like in the middle of it, but I love it. I love Jamie. She's one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I I'm trying to think of something that I've read that's actually out. That's why I'm pausing yeah. for because I've had like <laughs> 10 blurbs to do in the past couple of weeks. I'm like, what is out that I'm reading um, that I just love? So we just had William Kent Kruger as a guest recently. Um, and his latest book was so great. Kind of like an epic, um, you know, Odyssey, which was, Mm -hmm. which was really great. That was a wonderful book. Um, and then my friend Patty Callahan just had a book come out called once upon a wardrobe, which I absolutely loved. It's kind of like a, the story behind the story of the lion, the witch in the wardrobe, which is great. And, um, the next thing on my TBR is Mary Kay Andrews new, um, the home records, which I'm Mm -hmm. so excited about. 
Um, oh, and I just read my first Colleen Hoover book. Oh, cool. <laughs> I know oh, I never yeah. read it. And I'm interviewing her own <laughs> friends and fiction. So I'm so excited. Um, it's was pieces of him. And she huh. and Lord knows she needs a shout out. I mean, <laughs> true. All the help. It's small independent author. She's all the help she can get. No, but I really bootstrapping. Like, yeah, right. Exactly. Exactly. It's that's like um, when we started Friends and Fiction, we weren't really planning on, we were just going to do seven weeks of these lives because mm-hmm. we all had, yeah. and then we were like, well, this is really something like people are showing up for this. We're going to keep going. And we were like, you know, who should we have on to interview? We've got to start interviewing other people because we're going to run out of things to talk about. And we we're like, here's <laughs> someone that really needs us. We'll have Kristen Hannah. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> and we laughed. I think one time she was on the show and she was like number one on the New York times paperback, the New York times hardback. And her show is number one on Netflix all yeah. in the same week. And we were like, thank goodness we had her on. She needed yeah. us. <laughs> you really made all those things happen for her. We made those things happen yeah. for her. Yes. Awesome. So now that you've beefed up all of our TVRs, um, let's add to that. Can you let us know what you have coming up next? Um, yes. So obviously the wedding veil comes out March 29th and mm-hmm. I just, I don't know if I can really say much about my next book. Cause I yeah. am like, I don't think I've actually, I've like just signed my contract for it, but, um, <laughs> but it's, it's not historical. I'll tell you that it is a contemporary okay. novel. Um, but it is, it's three different women who are kind of in different ages and there's like a big ethical dilemma at the middle of the story, Ooh. which I really like draining. Um, yeah. And it's partially set at a summer camp, <laughs> which I'm so excited about. Um, I thought yeah. it, it really, it was like one of my pandemic things. I was like, okay, where do I want to go right now? What would mm-hmm. make me feel good about life? And I was like, let's go to summer camp. So, yeah. um, and I have a awesome. title, but I'm not sure it's going to be the title. So I kind of hate to say yeah. it, but. No, that's good. Yeah, we will um, make sure everyone knows to follow you so mm-hmm. we, can, you. we can do that. So yeah, absolutely. And actually, you know, before we wrap things up, Christy, where can readers find you online and stay in touch with you? Um, my website is christywoodsonharvey.com. And um, I'm, I'm probably most active on Instagram at Christy W. Harvey, but also super active on Facebook, which is Christy Woodson Harvey as well. Awesome. Well, Christy, thank you so much for joining us today. This was amazing. Yeah, this is a delight. Thank you. you. Christy was a breath of fresh air. Oh my gosh. She's so lovely. She was so fun. And her book, I mean, if you have any interest in the Vanderbilts and the Biltmore, like you definitely need to check out The Wedding Veil. It is currently up for pre-order right now. It'll be out, I think, at the end of March. So definitely check it out. Okay, so last week, (laughs) we had a mutiny. We did, we muted ourselves. (laughs) And said, we are not making goals. Mm -mm. And so Mm -mm. we did it. So there we go. Um, What is your new goal? Because we are moving. I am yeah. going to have to start packing. Thankfully we have like six weeks to do this whole, this whole. Oh, good. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah. So my first goal in my packing plan is to start cleaning out my closet, mm-hmm. start getting rid of old clothes that I don't want. I did a big chunk of it, but I also have been buying new clothing. And so it's time to try, let's try to, to bite the bullet, put on the yeah. pants, try them all on, see which ones oh, do not no. fit and get rid oh. of them. <laughs> yeah. But it's time. I don't know. I know what you mean, but I also mm-hmm. I don't want worse. to do it. Yeah, yeah. it's the worst. No, I'll eat pizza yeah. afterwards. It won't matter. <laughs> Fine. 
<laughs> totally makes sense. Yeah, <laughs> that'll fix the problem right up. <laughs> what about you? What's your new goal this week? I, it's okay. This is such a weird, it's not a weird goal. Cause I feel like at least once or twice a year, we both say this, mm-hmm. but it's weird to me because I am not sitting at my desk as much as I used to. Cause obviously um, I have to go to another the bookstore. Desk. Yes. To my desk at work now, but now my desk is an absolute pigsty. It's yeah. a mess. I just pile things. I'm looking, it's like, I have, like, I need to do one of those, like take everything off and start over kind of a deal. Mm-hmm. So that is my, my goal is to clean my desk completely. Maybe make a little new setup. I don't know. We'll see. Ooh, that'll make it we'll fun. see. Yeah. I think it could be fun. So, but yeah, I do. I'm just, there's so much there. I was like, what are all of these papers over here? I don't know. Yeah. There's a stack of books. I mean, that that's to be expected. That tracks. But, yeah, Mine is yeah. like the stack of journals and notepads yeah. that are just like all over my desk. And yeah. I'm like, it's just a chaos paper mm-hmm. explosion. So that, yeah, I think, so cleaning my desk is my goal. I like that. That's a good goal. Well, I can't wait to check yeah. in on you and see when you're, you'll be like, yeah. ah, I can feel again. Yeah. Right. <laughs> okay. What's bringing you comfort this week? So this week, um, I know I've met salt, I've mentioned salt mm-hmm. and straw before, but, um, because I am really locked into their algorithm, I, and I live so close to them. Yeah. Got the new flavor. And Yum. this month they're all cereal flavors. <laughs> and the one that we got last night was salt and straws, pot of rainbows, cereal flavored ice cream. So it is mm. marshmallow ice cream with, um, it's like marshmallow cereal, milk, ice cream with uh, lucky charms, marshmallows mixed into it. So it is like sweet vanilla flavor with the little marshmallows and they're because they're, uh, they've been sitting in the milk. They're like nice and soft, but yeah. yeah. Oh, it's so good. That's very rich, but it's delicious. Yeah. Yeah. What about, what about you? So I went to Costco two weeks ago, maybe, you know, Mm -hmm. maybe like a week ago and got, these I've had them before, but I don't know. I had, we had not gotten them in a while, but they're the stone fire non dippers. So they're just, mm-hmm. we actually, in our house, we call them little nuns. Um, and they're just so they're so good. So I got like a giant tub of them little at nuns. Costco, but you can get them. I mean, I think they're at other grocery stores as well. And they're in a much more like economic and smaller size. But of course I had to have the biggest tub of them. Um, and they're just, they're delicious and they're so good. We put them in hummus. I like, mm. will make little flatbreads out of the, you know, just like some chicken and Perfect. vegetables and stuff and, and hummus and everything. So yeah, those are, but they're really good. They're great for snacking and especially I use, take them in my lunch. They're so good. That's awesome. I've seen those at Costco quite a few times and thought about getting them, but I love your idea about using them for little flatbreads. Yeah. I was like, what am I going to use them for beyond hummus? Mm-hmm. But I love the idea of like little flatbreads, little, like you can make little sweets with them. Okay. Yeah. You sold yeah. me on the, on the Costco amount of little nuts. Yeah, I know it is a lot. Like, I don't think I'm going to get another big one. Cause it really is just me having them. Mm, okay. Um, I mean, I will have them every so often. Um, she just like eats them like you know, like just like bread, I guess. I don't know. Um, cause she's not into dips. She's, she's not, not quite there yet. She's not yeah. into dips yet. She'll get yeah. there. Um, she but yeah, so I think I need to just go, you know, to 
wherever to the grocery store and just get like a regular size, not a Costco size. <laughs> but then you're like there and it's like, oh, but this only has eight in it. And the Costco one has 40. That is probably <laughs> what will happen. <laughs> I'll complain mm-hmm. about it, but whatever. It, either way, I'm going to have my little nuns and they're going to be great. <laughs> I love it. Oh, oh that's nuns. great. So good. <laughs> Well, now that we've had conversation about little pita breads and yeah, little, gotta go eat them. Uh, little ice creams, some. we got to go have some. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, Danielle, it's always such a wonderful yes, time to course. see you. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, but you can follow us on all of our socials, on all the socials at Fresh Fiction. You can find me at Real Vixen. And Danielle, where can people find you? I'm at D Jackson books. Um, of course you can always email us podcast at freshfiction.com. We love to hear from everybody. Let us know your Oscar picks, or if you care, tell us if you care, <laughs> someone else, let me know if I'm not like, am I being just being mean? I don't know. Um, <laughs> please subscribe and follow rate and review us on your favorite podcast app. It really helps people find us and we will see you guys or talk to you guys soon. Yeah. <laughs> 